Please take your Bibles. Join me in Genesis chapter 12. As you know, we've been studying through the book of Acts on Sunday nights. I'm going to put that series on hold. I want to give an addendum to a message from last week in our Sunday morning series through the book of Genesis. I wanted to do this on Sunday night because I know there's the potential for me to have to address things further, and I don't want to get bogged down on this kind of thing on a Sunday morning, and I want to keep pressing through Genesis. But Genesis chapter 12, we'll just go ahead and get into this. Look at verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty Father, we ask you now to help us open our understanding that we might understand the Scriptures. We just pray for a good spirit tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I mentioned how in preparing for that message, I was in the process of addressing what the phrase at the beginning of verse 3 does not say but to do so was really disrupting the flow of the message, and it was growing into its own message, so I just took all that out. But I mentioned if there was enough interest, then I would come back to this and address it. And so here we are. Amen? Amen. For some of you, this will not matter one bit, and I know that. Uh, For some of you, it will matter a great deal, and for some of you, it may anger you a great deal. If you missed last week where I addressed what I believe this is, saying please go back and listen to that message, you can do so on Facebook, our website, or our podcast. It's vital to understanding this passage. And so tonight I want to give you what I believe this is not saying. Now, you may recall my original intent was to conclude our series in Genesis after chapter 11. I had a few reasons for that. I won't get into all the reasons why, but I will be transparent with you tonight that one of those reasons was I did not want to address this. I am content to not stir up World War III in a church over something that has nothing to do with your salvation. But I'm a weak man, and I didn't want to address it, and so I was content to stop in chapter 11, and I do confess that to my shame. I suppose those kind of thoughts should never enter a preacher's mind. The fact is, I could have pressed on through Genesis without ever addressing this. I could have justified it in my mind in doing that. But I do feel like necessity is laid upon me because of how this particular issue permeates the entire Bible. And the issue is, how are we to understand the promise from God to Abram when he says, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee? How are we to understand this as it relates to the nation of Israel? Now, I said two weeks ago how I believe that that phrase has been greatly misunderstood. It has been grossly misapplied, and it has been terribly abused. 
And as a result, it has sadly become a litmus test for fellowship among many Baptists. And believe me, I know firsthand how touchy and divisive this subject has become in some circles because this is a large part of the reason why some preachers uh, distance themselves from me. It's why some avoid me altogether, and frankly, it's why some cannot stand me. And, and to be clear, I never bring up this issue, okay? I'm not that guy. Uh, I, I'm not a... <laughs> I don't need to take a stick and poke another horn, a hornet's nest in another man's yard, all right? I, that's just not my thing. And so I just want to pastor Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. And, but anyway, I don't bring it up, but somehow it finds me. And I don't show them where they're wrong. I don't try to pastor their church. I don't um, initiate any of this. I don't want to impress them with what I think I know or where I think they're wrong. And so I leave the issue alone, but some sure don't hesitate to show me the same kindness. But instead of having a conversation with me to try and understand how I have arrived at my position biblically, they decide to belittle and to slander me in our church, which shows how contentious the issue of Israel has become. Why are preachers so resistant to have the conversation? Could it be they're afraid of what they'll be confronted with? Could it be they've never really studied this issue for themselves and they've simply heard somebody saying it over and over enough that, well, my favorite preacher says it, therefore it must be true. Now, any controversial message needs some disclaimers. And so I'm going to give you some. I do not, I do not hold to replacement theology. That is the belief that the church has replaced Israel. That is a catchphrase, a catch-all phrase that is used by people that don't line up with them to say, well, that's what you must be. No, I'm not. I don't believe the church has replaced Israel. And it's pitiful that I have to give this next disclaimer, but let me assure you, I am not anti-Semitic. That is another one that comes up all the time. I have absolutely no prejudice or hatred toward the Jewish people whatsoever. I know we got the Word of God through that. I know we got the Messiah through the line of that. I understand all that, and I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Paul in Romans 10.1. 10, Beloved, my, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. I also want to say that while I obviously favor my opinion, <laughs> you do not have to be in this, you know, you don't have to agree with me wholeheartedly to be in this church. And I want to encourage those of you who may disagree with me, please don't leave a church over this issue. Uh, remember what took place this morning. God is at work here. Amen. Just don't forget that. Now, when we come to any controversial topic, you have to decide to let God be true, but every man a liar. And this is true for anything you hear from me. Don't just take what I say and say, well, it must be true. But you have to do some digging as well. Now, I do say that, but I also hope that I've proven to you how seriously I take rightly dividing the Word of God. And you better believe that if I'm going to get up in a pulpit and go against the majority flow of Baptists, then I have studied this at length. And I'm not saying that you haven't. I'm just saying I have. And one thing, when you're in the minority, you better have Scripture to back yourself up. 
With all of that out of the way, let's get down to business. If you've heard preaching in our day on verse 3, then you've likely been taught, if we want to be blessed by God as a nation, and some take it as far as being blessed individually, then we must bless the nation of Israel. And if we don't, we're going to be cursed by God. I think everybody in here probably has heard that if you've been in church for any length of time. A few years ago, I was on truetorahjews.org. I came across a rabbi's response to a man. He inquired about this phrase, and he wanted some clarification. And here's the rabbi's response. This is God's blessing to Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people. (laughs) I don't even know why I'm pausing here, but this is just one of those statements that gets under my skin. Um, The Jewish people are of the tribe of Judah. Okay, we're going to get too involved here if I go down this path. Later, Benjamin would be included because it would be all of Judea. Jew, Judea. Abraham was a Hebrew. He's never called a Jew in Scripture. But that aside, he says, This is God's blessing to Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people. It means that all people in the world should bless and befriend the Jews if they want to earn God's favor. Now, that's quite a statement. Some might think, of course, a rabbi is going to have that opinion. Well, many Christians and most Baptists feel the same way. It's everywhere you turn in Christian circles. Certainly, it's everywhere you turn on the Christian TV stations. It's it's even in our ACE curriculum that we use in our academy. It's everywhere. And is this really the meaning of this passage, this statement? And and again, I'm not trying to cause issues. I'd really rather avoid speaking about this. But it is throughout the Bible. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I don't try to break this down just a little bit. Is it true that the blessings of God will be upon our nation as a result of our blessing of people and a nation who have rejected Christ as their Messiah? That's, that really is the, the question. Now, we wouldn't dare say that about any other nation who has rejected Christ. So why is it different when we come to Israel? It's because of this verse, verse 3. First of all, in our King James Bible, that's a good place to start, the promise is made to an individual, the, not to a bunch of people, ye. It is made to a singular person, not a group of plural people. This is not to a nation, but this is to an individual. Now, I realize there are contexts where the singular the is used to talk about a a whole nation, but they're talking about a whole nation as one. But the nation of Israel isn't even close to being in existence here. They're not going to be in existence until they come out of Egypt. Some say this is a covenant between God and Abram, but this is not a covenant. In chapter 12, this is a promise, and there is a difference. If you'll study the covenant that God entered into with Abram in chapter 15, and if you'll study the covenant that God entered into with Abraham in chapter 17, you'll not find this statement in the covenants. I think that's interesting. Now, if we believe this is a national blessing upon the physical descendants of Abraham, extending all the way to the present day, because I'm willing to concede there was a time 
when we can apply this to the nation. But if we are saying this, this extends to the present day, we have some major biblical hurdles to overcome. Let me just give you some of these, and this is going to be the meat here. Was Moses inviting a curse upon himself? In Deuteronomy 11, verses 26 through 28, it says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And really, you ought to read all of Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first part is talking about this is how you can be blessed by God, and the last is talking about how you can be cursed by God. And then at the end of chapter 28, or towards the end, it says in verse 45, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded thee. Moses is letting them know, you can be blessed or you can be cursed. Joshua uh, chapter 8, verse 34 And afterward, he read all the words of the law, this is Joshua, the blessings and cursings, according to all that which uh, is written in the book of the law. So was Moses inviting a curse upon himself when he says, you're going to be cursed? He said, well, no, he wasn't really cursing him, he wasn't really blessing him. Okay. How about Nehemiah? Was he inviting a curse upon himself? Nehemiah 13.25 said, and I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair. You think you got a bad pastor. (laughs) And made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. Nehemiah is clear. I I cursed you. Daniel knew his nation was cursed. Daniel 9.11, Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Was God inviting a curse upon himself? God said through Isaiah in Isaiah 43, 28, Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. God said through Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 11.3, And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. God said through Malachi in Malachi 2.2, If ye will not hear me, and if ye will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Is God about to be cursed? God said through Malachi, Malachi 3, 9, this ought to settle it. Ye are cursed with a curse. Ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Was John the Baptist inviting a curse upon himself when he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees a generation of vipers? And what's interesting in that discourse, as John is talking with them, he went on to say, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. 
Interesting that that's in the context there. In other words, don't think you are the recipients of the blessings of Abraham simply by your physical descent. Now, how about Jesus? Was He inviting the curse of God upon Him? John 8, 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Guess what they said right before that in verse 39? They answered and said unto Him, Abraham is our father. How about when Jesus said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And so severe was that curse that the temple was leveled to the ground and not one stone was left upon another. How about when Jesus cursed the fig tree, which is a picture of Israel? Matthew 21, 19, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Um, Later on, Peter says, And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Was Stephen inviting a curse when he said in Acts 7.51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Was Paul inviting a curse when he said in Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now that was a reference to the Jews who were preaching circumcision as necessary for salvation. What about what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 14 through 16? For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. By the way, they just tried to pass a measure to make that true again but it was defeated by Netanyahu. He said, no, I'm not going to sign it. But anyway, it says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Now, a wrath is a curse from God. Jesus said in Luke 21, 23, but woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. If you'll study the context, who are the people? It's the Jews. How do you know that? Because he said, when you're in Judea, flee. I mean, that's the context. Now, let's be honest with Scripture. Let's be honest with the Scriptures. And and I know I can see it in some of your faces. And just be honest with the Scriptures. Except for Daniel, who, who was simply recognizing they had been cursed, all of these men and God Himself pronounced a curse upon the physical descendants of Abraham. And yet not a one of them was cursed, but they were all blessed. Therefore, I don't see how the first statement of verse 3 is some kind of quasi-command to bless a rebellious people in order to be blessed by God. It really doesn't even make sense logically. And I know many people say, well, we serve the same God. And the answer is unequivocally, no, we don't. In fact, let me just really get controversial with you. The term Judeo-Christian is an oxymoron. Because Judaism has rejected Christ, do you, did you know they don't use B.C. or A.D. in their dating system, uh, dating system? They refuse to acknowledge before Christ and in the year of our Lord. They deny the virgin birth. They reject that Jesus was God in the flesh. They reject that Jesus was a prophet, much less the prophet that Moses foretold of. 
They reject that Jesus resurrected from the dead and therefore reject that He's been exalted on high. Let's suppose you're out and about downtown and you come across a man who was distributing literature which claimed Jesus was not the Messiah, that He was not virgin born, that He was not a prophet, that He never resurrected. Would you bless that man? I doubt that you would. But what if you learned he was of the stock of Israel? Would you all of a sudden be duty-bound to bless that one? Well, you would if you hold that Genesis 12.3 is a requirement for all of humanity to bless the children of Israel in all ages. But do you honestly believe that God would bless you for blessing someone who rejects Christ? Those who reject Jesus was God in the flesh possess the spirit of Antichrist regardless of the nationality. 1 John 2.22, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, which is the Messiah? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. 1 John 4.2-3, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. 2 John, verses 7, and then 10 and 11 say, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Now, according to the Bible there, we're not to bless any who deny Christ. Let God be true and every man a liar. We're not to encourage them, wish for their success, wish them well, or greet them joyfully. That's what Godspeed means. Therefore, I cannot in good conscience bless a people who deny Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I don't care what nation it is. And by the way, God doesn't bless any people who reject Christ either. Now, everyone believes this for the Gentile nations. But when it comes to Israel, many don't believe this. And as a result, the modern nation of Israel has been elevated above clear Bible doctrine. And in some Baptist circles, you'll even find an Israeli flag up on the stage showing our solidarity with a people who have rejected Christ. I wonder what message that sends to a Muslim. And just a side note, Islam holds a much higher view of Jesus than Judaism does. Did you know that? In Islam, they believe Jesus was virgin born. They believe He was a prophet. They believe Jesus performed miracles. They believe Jesus ascended. They even believe Jesus will descend before Judgment Day. Islam. To be clear, they do not worship Jesus. They do not see Jesus as the one who died for their sin. In fact, they deny that He died at all but that he ascended before he would be killed and someone else was killed in like fashion. They don't believe Jesus was God in the flesh and therefore they also possess the spirit of Antichrist, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But clearly Islam has a greater respect for Jesus than Judaism does. 
Now, why bring this up? Because so many have made such a big deal out of Israel, they're completely forsaking the Muslims. I, I can show you missionaries over there who have joined the fight with Israel to kill Muslims. I got the prayer letters. I can show you. When in reality, Islam holds a much higher view of Jesus than Judaism does. And it all begins here in Genesis 12 and verse 3. But the Bible still says in Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessings will not come from blessing an ungodly people. That goes for America too. But blessings come from the Lord Almighty. And we won't earn God's favor from blessing those who openly reject Christ. I can only imagine, and maybe this is more because I grew up in the southeast, but I can only imagine what would happen if some would bless God with the same fervency they attempt to bless Israel with. Revival might break out. Well, there you go. That's my opinion. My opinion. My opinion. But it is grounded in scriptural reasoning. Now, there's a lot more we could have got into tonight. But I just throw this out there for you. And and obviously, time won't allow us to get deep into this in one service. Now, I realize this is a controversial topic. If you could see some of your ears, you would know what I'm talking about. And this may be so foreign to some of your ears that you're going to be tempted to cast stones at me. Please don't slash my tires. I ain't got the money to go buy another set. Now, because I've been around the block, I know some of you are going to want your previous pastor, your favorite preacher, your favorite evangelist to listen to this message so that they can give you their opinion. And I know the advice of some will be for you to get out of this church. Say, how do you know that? Because I've seen it already. I've seen it already. Let me encourage you again. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Before you seek man's opinion, try getting the Holy Spirit's opinion. And if you still think I'm whack at that point, then so be it. If you happen to vehemently disagree with me through all of this, and this is causing your blood pressure to rise, feel free to set up an appointment and talk with me calmly. (laughs) I promise you I'll listen because I don't think I have the market on anything. I'm willing to learn, and I'm not saying I get everything right. If you're on the fence, or even if you're still on the other side of the fence mad as a bull, then all I ask is that you don't leave this church until you give this subject careful consideration, adequate study, and fervent prayer. Let the Scripture speak for you and not another man. And remember this, I'm your friend. I am not your enemy. Also remember, I have a responsibility from God to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. What kind of pastor would I be if I just dodged controversial issues? I'm already out of the circles, amen. I mean, the only thing I don't like about messages like this is that we never really get to a challenge and some practical application. I'll just leave you with this. Galatians 3, 8, and 9. 
And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Those that be of faith. Those that be of faith. How is it that we're going to be blessed by a people who are not even in faith? If you want to be blessed, you need to come to Christ through faith. Be justified through His blood. If you're already in Christ and you want to be blessed, bless the Lord. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where blessings come from. They come from the Lord. And when we get sideways with the Scriptures, we've got an issue. So I know some are upset with me. Please study it. Just take a deep breath. We're all friends. All right, that's enough.